0: When you are done Lay your weary head to rest Don't you cry no more Welcome to the Supernatural Cast A podcast dedicated to re-watching Supernatural from the CW Welcome back to the Supernatural Cast I am Jimmy and Georgia, your host, and we're back Yeah, it's been a while Way too long, and but we are back to talk about supernatural. And not that maybe any of you care anymore. Maybe you've all given up hope. You've abandoned ship, as you thought I had. And I am sorry for the many months without a show. I, I have no excuse other than I've been busy with life. And I have this summer. I have been busy with my Falling Skies podcast, which is called the Falling Skies Cast. Earlier this spring, I was trying to do a little Muppets podcast for a while. And I uh, just haven't made time for the Supernatural cast, but I did I actually watched an- another episode of the Supernatural for the first time in a long time. One of my favorites of season one, actually, and uh, I'm ready to talk about it. So if you're still around and you're still here to listen, that'd be great. And if not, I'm still having fun watching a show that I like and talking about it. So it'll be good. It'll be better if you're still there, if you haven't given up hope, It's my own fault for uh, being gone for such a long time. But anyway, we're back. And it has been quite a while. Today I will be discussing episode 10 of season 1. As you hear the pages turning, I've taken lots of notes of Supernatural. And that, of course, was Asylum. Very good episode. One, again, this is kind of a common pattern we've seen here early on of how Sam is definitely kind of bitter towards their dad. He kind of resents Dean for following their dad's orders and things. It was common threads there throughout this first few episodes, I would say. And we did have some uh, special guest stars this week, and I guess I'll go ahead and run down that list while we're at it before we get very far into the show. Um, This week as the guest, we had John Gray as one of the teens that broke into the asylum. We had Carly Warkington was the wife. Peter Benson was the rookie officer slash Walter Kelly. Tom Pickett was Officer Daniel Gunderson. Nicholas DeGusto. Was Gavin, Brooke Nevin was Catherine slash Cat, Norman Amor was Dr. Sanford Ellicott, James Purcell was Dr. James Ellicott. All five of these, or I guess, are spirits, apparently. It was Nancy Bell, Nicole Laplaza, Richard D'Elti, Leif Brigman, and Roy Campsall. All right, well, that that's kind of a brief little rundown there. And it's been quite a while, like I mentioned before, since we've had an episode. And I guess we're going to jump into our normal regiment of things that we would normally get into in an episode. And we're going to talk Asylum. And we're going to get started right now. Supernatural Recap Hey, welcome back. And uh, we are here to talk Asylum. We're going to do what we've done there a few times, I think. Uh, We're going to break down the little chapter uh, assignments there that are on the DVD menu. Or Blu-ray, I guess, too, if you have one of those. Asylum, chapter one was called Cop Killer, number two, Tracking Psycho Spirits, number three, Room 137, number four, Rage Therapy, and number five, Pull the Trigger. And we have our uh, opening, like we almost always do, I think a few times we don't, we have the previously on Supernatural. Uh, We start off this episode also with a, uh, a reveal of the Roosevelt Asylum in Rockford, Illinois. We see the condemned building with signs saying keep out. We see a door with chains on it that th- these kids cut the chains to try to get into this area that is you know, cordoned off. And then a little bit later, two cops show up. Uh, they talk about how this place is haunted by the spirits of the patients that you know died there or whatever. And if you stay the night, you will go insane. They follow the trail of clues. And for whatever reason, it made me think of Scooby-Doo for something. The rookie cop goes back into the boiler room. And then the veteran goes out to the other wing of the hospital. Again, the rookie goes into the uh, biohazard room. The three kids are found, but then the rookie cop's flashlight goes out, and then a strange door opens by itself behind him. The kids leave. The rookie comes back out, and he kind of sneaks up behind the veteran cop, and is acting very, very strange. And we see when he gets in the car that his nose is bleeding, which is always a bad sign when anything supernatural or... Something crazy like that. Science fiction is going on. Just, you know, it is. And that's when we cut to our opening sequence of the little brief supernatural opening. Um, Sam is trying to track down their dad still. Caleb hasn't heard anything. Neither has Pastor Jim and some other of their friends. Dean is still going through the dad's journal trying to find some things they need to do. Sam wants to call the feds and report their dad missing. And Dean definitely doesn't want that to happen. And then we find out that John Winchester's not dead, and of course we knew that as the audience. He's texted them, apparently some coordinates, and it was 42, minus 89, which apparently would lead them to Rockford, Illinois. We cut back over, and that rookie cop, Walter Kelly, kills his wife and himself. And then we get back to Sam and Dean, we find out the asylum that we've just seen, obviously, is in the Dad's Journal. And Dean is obviously thinking, "Oh, okay, we got to work a job. Dad's alive. This is where he wants us to go. And uh, we're going to go do it. Because that's kind of what Dean does. Dean listens to their dad. And they go back to the Rockford, Illinois. They go into a bar. And Dean talks with a partner. He says he's from the Chicago Tribune. He's Nigel Truffle all or something like that. <laughs> Sam comes along playing the good cop. And uh, gets rid of Dean. And then buys the drink for the cop. And... Sam does get the information that he needed, and and that kind of happens a lot. And I think we even saw that in the last, no, it's the next episode, Scarecrow, where Sam and Dean are separated. Um, Sam's able to do his little, you know, bat his doe eyes or whatever, and get the information he needs. Uh, but when Dean's all alone, he is unable to do that in some occasions. So uh, I think that's kind of funny. But yeah, Sam got information about Kelly and the asylum. He said he was a good guy, a good cop. They were thinking about having kids. Um, and then they go over to the asylum, which was established back in eighteen seventy-two. The inside of that place is definitely trashed. And they do go down to the south wing, and apparently back in this nineteen seventy-two, three teenagers um, went in there, and only one of them came out. Um, so apparently he, like the guy, went nuts and started shooting up the place So one of the other two guys. And then too, the uh, the chains on the door. And granted, this was well before the uh, the TV show and stuff, but it kind of reminds me of The Walking Dead, of because uh, I think Dean mentions or who it been Sam, I don't remember at this point. I see my notes here. One of them, I think, says something to the effect of, "Were the change keeping people out or keeping something in?" And we definitely know the answer to that is both. Here in this case, Dean makes a lot of pop culture references in this episode, which I definitely enjoy, and we'll we'll bring those up. Here, but Dean does mention how you know. Will Sam's psychic ability will that you know play into effect here? That you know, will the spirits be drawn to him or something to that effect? There's a lot of like remnants of what used to be there back in, I guess, in the 70s, whenever it wasn't it closed down or 60s. Uh, I know they mentioned that at some point. I believe you know different you know parts of the labs and electroshock machines and all the stuff are just laying around. They mentioned some uh, different. Folklore, I guess. Here they talk about Smearl haunting. They talk about Amityville, um, another pop culture reference. Uh, definitely chock full of that stuff this week, and that's definitely some of the stuff I really enjoy um, about the show. The Sam and Dean, uh, their brothers, you know, that whole deal is, is a very cool interaction, generally speaking. And then Dean's love for classic rock and just pop culture. I mean, those those are definitely the things that I, I really enjoy about the show, apart from you know the fun ghost stories and stuff. But anyway. And they do get into a discussion here about how Dean wants to follow their dad's orders and Sam uh, just wants answers, more or less. And they do find some information about Dr. Sanford Ellicott, who was the chief of science or something there at the place. And here Sam goes to that guy's son, James Ellicott, and tries to get information about his dad in the asylum. He does talk about how he's road tripping with his brother. He's met interesting people. And we get a clue here, just a little one, about a Roosevelt riot. And basically the doctor agrees with him that if he'll tell him something honest about him, he'll share with Sam about the riot. And so once Sam comes out of there, he kind of shares this information with Dean. In 1964, the criminally insane took over the asylum. Some um, patients and staff died, and some bodies were never recovered. And so obviously right away they jumped to the right conclusion... Um, as far as they are concerned, that their violent deaths, unrecorded bodies, equals angry spirits. They need to find these bodies and Salt and burn them, Which, again, hasn't worked out for them very well over the course of these first ten episodes. Uh, I know they've mentioned it quite a few times, but I, I don't think they've been able to do it but once so far. And here we have a, another young group of kids. Some teenagers, a young guy and a young girl who are going into this creepy hospital. And my thought to that is so dumb... Seriously. <laughs> Dean does give the young lady some advice a little bit later on concerning such things. We do see the sign for room 137, and uh, this idiot, I guess for lack of a better term, wants to go check it out. Gavin walks in there and he leaves his, his young lady behind. We hear, you know, eerie grunts and creaks and slamming doors and crazy stuff like that, and then the flashlight flickers, and then there's an eerie figure in the doorway. It looks like his girlfriend from far away. He starts making out with the thing, and then he hears his girlfriend call him. He And the thing backs away, and it's all nasty and decayed and disgusting. And so, yeah, kind of messed up stuff here. One thing I, I noticed here, and I thought, again, I already mentioned some of the stuff that was there in this abandoned hospital asylum place. They did some really nice set design in this episode. Uh, Just in general, it's very creepy, but also very, it looks, you know, abandoned and decayed and just some cool stuff laying around. And the uh, brothers Winchester come in with their video camera, with their EMF detector. And Sam's saying on the video camera that this place is orbing like crazy. So that's another one of those things I guess we'll touch on in our folklore mythology section. And again, their plan is to find the bodies and burn them. And it's one of those things that always happens in horror movies. And Supernatural draws a lot from horror movies. There's always that creepy thing or person or image or dark shadow or whatever that passes in front of the camera in between the audience and the characters. And sometimes it's one of those jump scare moments. Sometimes it's just like, oh no, they're in trouble. (laughs) And just in good old Scooby-Doo fashion, Sam and Dean do split up. There's more strange noises and empty rooms. Another another creepy female ghost appears, and Dean shoots it with the rock salt, and it evaporates or dispels or whatever you want to say that. Um, the spirit doesn't try to hurt him, as is brought up a little bit later, and they go into that a little bit more. They find the young girl, Catherine, who likes to be called Cat, and she's definitely seen things. She wants to get, go with them, and she wants to get out of there. Um, Dean does take her with him, and then Sam goes you know, yelling for Gavin. And here's Dean's little quote for her about horror movies. And that's going to be our Dean Quote of the Week at the end of the episode. We'll display that then. Um, and again, something creepy passes by that they don't know about. Sam is able to locate Gavin. He's lying on the floor. He wakes up. He tells Sam about what happened. The spirit tried to whisper something to him. Dean and Kat are together, and their flashlight goes out again. Definitely another one of those signs of, of activity that the uh, spirits are drawing power from the batteries is something common in these movies and TV shows and stuff like this. Um, but they do have a lighter they can use for a little bit of light. Here Kat says, you're hurting my arm. Dean's not holding her arm and then he turns around and we see an arm snatch her into a room and slam the door. Dean cannot open the door. We have what appears to be the, the ghost of Danny Trejo um, coming to... Not even attack her. He wants to whisper something in her ear, which is kind of creepy. And eventually, um, that's what happens. Sam gives her the advice, let it tell her what it needs to tell her. And once that happens, the door opens. And 137, the room number, is what I guess he told her. Um, Sam is tasked with getting the teens out of there. Dean goes looking for the room. There's a funny comment here about how they got this job. We had a crappy guidance counselor, so I thought it was pretty good. Dean finds the room. It was the office of the doctor. However, Sam and the others cannot get out. They're trapped inside. Then Dean does find like a hidden panel in the room with a patient's journal and some sick stuff was going on in this place. And We have another pop culture reference or two here. And then... Sam's cell phone rings, and Dean says he's in the basement, but obviously we just saw Dean was in the office, so that wasn't true, and Sam soon finds that out, and so does Dean, and not too long from now. Sam does give Kat the rock salt shotgun, and then Sam, just like the rookie cop from earlier, enters that boiler room, and it has that biohazard sign. He's looking for Dean. The flashlight goes out and yet again. We hear whispers. The door opens, and just, you know, the same things that happened to the cop earlier. Sam enters the room. There's more whispers. There's no Dean. There's a shadow behind one of the curtain. He moves it. It's not there, and then finally, the ghost of the doctor wants to make him all better. And we go to commercial break or what would have been a commercial break there on the d v d Cat says they're breaking up, which is pretty good, and that's a good idea for her. Cat does shoot at Dean when he rounds the corner and they tell him about the basement and the fake phone call. Dean still calls his brother Sammy, even though Sam doesn't like it and um And I I think I figured out why he doesn't like it later on. I think it was this episode, or maybe in the actually the beginning of the next episode. And I'll touch on that next episode, I guess. But I I never thought about it until now, as I'd watched Asylum and then I'd watched Scarecrow. It's been a few days ago now since I've watched these both these two episodes, and I'll definitely bring that back up next episode about why my theory is on why Sam doesn't like the name Sammy. I think he does say something about I'm not the little kid anymore, but I don't think that's not my theory on why he doesn't like it. So we do see Sam; he's not right in the head, obviously after what Doctor Ellicott has done before him. Another pop culture reference here from Dean; tons of these throughout the episode. And so basically, this guy's idea was anger therapy of making people so angry that they would heal them somehow, but instead it just made them homicidal and even more crazy. So Sam definitely looks strange. We hear wind whistling. We hear um, all these things. Sam does draw a gun on Dean and, and his nose is bleeding and he shoots him. Dean wakes up and says they've got to burn the bones. Sam here says he's been following Dean's rules for six months. There's lots of whispering. He clicks the gun again and nothing happens. Dean punches him, gets up, and knocks him out. As Dean is searching around, he does see a cabinet. That has some hair sticking out of it. Which is kind of gross. And there's this old decayed body there. And he's able to um, salt it. He's able to pour louder fluid all over it. And then the doctor's ghost shows up. To do a little paranormal electroshock. To his face. And then they do. um, He is finally able to get the lighter on there. And he does salt and burn the bones. And the ghost. It turns to ash and is destroyed. Sam wakes up. Everything is back to normal with him. Gavin and Kat, after they get outside, say thanks. Sam apologizes. And then the Dean's phone rings in the hotel room, and it's their dad. Great ending to the episode, and that will lead into my theory for next week. Or next episode, whenever that may be. Uh, Hopefully it'll be next week, or maybe even sooner than that. We'll see how how quickly we can get another episode up. Hopefully, fairly quickly. All right, well, that's our episode recap for this week. We're going to jump into our Supernatural 5, where we talk about five key moments of the episode real briefly. And I'll go ahead and hit that music. Supernatural 5. We'll count down the top five pivotal moments of this week's episode. All right, number five on my list, I guess, will be Sam and Dean do make it to Rockford, Illinois. They make it to the Roosevelt Asylum. And they're able... To save Gavin and Kat. I, I don't know. It's one of those things. That, that's really kind of one of those. It's important. That, yes, they did that, but that's not the really the main importance of what they've done. One of the bigger importance of what they've done, we'll get to in just a second in our, our next thing on the list. But it's always good for them to save people. Like that's part of the family business. You know, hunt things, save people, the family business. And so, I don't know, sometimes Sam gets caught up in his own desires to have revenge and to seek out you know the thing that's killed his girlfriend and his mom to uh disobey his dad for whatever reason because he doesn't like his dad in a lot of ways and so sam gets caught up in that stuff where dean does see the importance i think a lot of times of following their dad's rules because their dad wanted to come to this place to help people and he's helped these two kids and then we'll we'll talk about that a little bit more here in just a second and I guess I'll go ahead and wrap that point up and go into number four on my list. You know, Sam and Dean are able to come to this asylum and end the reign of terror of this dead doctor's evil, angry spirit. That's something that's I don't know. I haven't I don't think I've really touched on that stuff too much, but that's pretty awesome. I, we, I think we talked about this way back with Bloody Mary, how ending that spirit's you know, reign of terror is a good thing. People aren't going to be attacked in that town, and I don't know if that's supposed to be a worldwide global Bloody Mary or just a localized global Mary, um, or if the rest of them are supposed to just be stories, or whatever. But here in this case, this was a legitimately haunted asylum. There were people who legitimately went in there and were affected and killed others, and that won't happen again. This has been solved. It's been ended. Yeah, it'll still be a legend. It'll still be... And the, you know, the local kids will probably still try to break in there and hang out and whatnot. But there won't be these angry spirits trying to kill them. And, you know, possessing them or whatever to uh, to do evil. So that's definitely helped out Rockford, Illinois. <laughs> definitely, definitely did. Okay. Well, there's something that I can hear at number three. Sam is possessed by the evil spirit or whatever um and it's one of the things like i don't know like dean mentions it early on the episode so maybe this was their explanation for it and they just didn't get back to it maybe sam's anger his resentment his you know the fact that he wants revenge and stuff maybe and and the fact that he's a psychic drew the evil spirit to him versus dean or or cat or the other one like the the nice spirits The benevolent spirits, I guess, were trying to to go to Gavin and go to Kat and tell them stuff. And whisper in their ear, you know, stop the doctor or whatever they were trying to tell them. But this evil doctor spirit was drawn to Sam. And it was drawn to that cop, the the rookie. And so what about them made them susceptible to that? And I think we kind of know if we've seen more of Supernatural. There's some things wrong with Sam. Um, there, There just are. And so... Not that we don't like Sam, not that he's not one of our favorites on the show, obviously, but there there are some issues there. And so maybe that is what drew that spirit to him versus Dean or the other two people that were available um, of those four. And, you know, obviously Sam's able to to recover from this, the influence that this evil spirit had had over him, the anger that it was raising up. And I guess that's, I guess based on what they said, that it would would be more of a, it, it caused the little electroshock, Hands would cause the anger to arise in Sam. Not necessarily he was possessed, per se. Um, He was just acting out on a more visceral level or something. Okay, well that's my number three point. Number two is still related to Sam, because he's kind of interesting, (laughs) I guess. He's a good character. His feelings about their dad are still definitely getting in the way, and I think, again, if my theory on why the spirit was drawn to him... I think that was part of it. I think that his, his feelings for their dad and just, I don't know. He, he definitely didn't have a normal childhood. And we see more of that later on in the show. And they have some flashbacks and things. You know, it kind of sucks. It does. Uh, their family's totally not normal. But, I don't know, Sam loses sight of that stuff sometimes. And we, we see that real soon on the next episode of Scarecrow. We'll we'll talk more about that there. But we're going to go into number one. Number one this week for my um important pivotal moments or whatever is john Winchester's not only alive he contacts his boys twice this week he sends them the text message of of where to go with the coordinates and then at the end of the episode he calls and uh, sam is on the phone with them when the episode ends and that's definitely good stuff we do see more of him very soon in the next episode and then we'll see more of him not too long down the road after that as well so that's good stuff I definitely think that's important because, I mean, apart from the time that he's shown up uh, in flashbacks and he showed up at the uh, Psychic's house at the end of that one episode when I went back home, hasn't really been much John Winchester. And so I think that's good to see him briefly, as it were. Um, it's good to, to know that he's out there, even if we don't actually see him. We know that he's interacting with Sam and Dean, so that's good stuff. All right, well, that's number one on my list. And we're going to jump into another segment of the podcast and uh that next one i guess we're going to jump into is folklore and mythology and we're going to hit that music this week in folklore and mythology and one thing on these episodes i, I don't typically necessarily go back and, and go into the folklore and mythology of of every specific case like this this is a specific you know haunting and I, I mean, we've touched on in the recap of the asylum and its history and the evil doctor and the rising up of the criminally insane and and all that kind of stuff. So I think we've, we've touched on that specific thing. We've touched on angry spirits before. And I think a few of these other things we've we've may have mentioned. I know we, I'm pretty sure we've mentioned Amityville at some point, so I don't feel we need to speak on that at this point. Like I mentioned this before, I have the official companion season one. And I was reading through that, um, as I'll try to do at some point in preparation for doing a show. And one of the the fellows that works on the show, John Shaban, I honestly am not familiar with him at this point, he says, Asylum is interesting in the fact this is the first time we've established Iron as a spirit deterrent. I don't know if that's because of the chains or something else. I honestly didn't catch that from watching the episode. I didn't have a note about that and remember anybody saying anything specifically like that. So thought that was something interesting to throw in there as well. There's several others here. Well, we can briefly touch on when they're in the asylum. Sam has his video camera he's saying there's orbing. and that's one of those things, pictures like photographs and movies, uh, mostly in photographs from what I've seen, people say they've captured spirits or evidence of some sort of spiritual presence or power um, in this kind of a strange glowing orb or orbs, could be more than one, that appear. And they do show a a brief shot of Sam's video camera showing these little bright lights on the little screen there at one point. And I guess it's one of those things, just like anything else. I've seen, I don't know if it was fact or fake, because I do like that show, or, or it could have been that National Geographic show I like, Is It Real? Where they showed where you can replicate the phenomenon very easily with like a flash and dust. And so it's not to say that every time that um, there's this phenomenon on a picture that it's a flash calls, you know, reflecting off a little piece of dust in the air, but they showed that very much so that's what they could replicate that type of thing. But yeah, those, those are kind of things that are reported all over. I've been seeing stuff on TV and different shows for years about those little orbs. So, I mean, it's definitely, I guess, up to you what you think about such things. I Googled a few things just to see what was out there. And like one of the things that it talked about on Wikipedia and it basically said what I was saying that a lot of times this is probably something like dust or other things, you know, being reflected from the flash. It says consistent with the Jesus toast phenomenon or backscatter has been broadly interpreted as highly variable range of supernatural paranormal phenomenon without verifiability. Um, and there's some other things there, but basically the Jesus toast phenomenon is looking for some sort of meaning or importance in an image where it's just a natural phenomenon, basically. And so I think that's kind of interesting, but yeah, people do say that stuff, spirits and orbs are, you know, who knows what energy fields or ghosts or angels or who knows whatever else they might want to say an energy ball. Um, but it definitely, that phenomenon can be easily replicated with a flash and some dust. And one of the things they mentioned there in the asylum, we'll mention here briefly, is the Smurl haunting. And this is something I had never heard of at all. So again, I Wikipedia'd it to find out what that was about. And there has been a movie made about this back in the early 90s called The Haunted. There's a book written all about these people back in the 80s. Apparently, Jack and Janet Smurl in West Pittston, Pennsylvania, alleged a demon inhabited their home between 74 and 89, and they had, you know, attention and stuff from different groups who um, studied what was going on there. Clergy, psychologists, demonologists, all these people came in and tried to figure out what was going on there. But yeah, I had never heard of that particular case, apparently a pretty famous case, I've ever been books and movies and things about it, I just wasn't familiar. All right, one thing I do want to mention here about the uh, Smurl Haunting that had the movie The Haunted. It actually features Jeffrey Dumont, who, if you're familiar with television these last few years, was Dale on The Walking Dead. And he played Jack Smurl of The Smurl Haunting. So I haven't seen that movie. I've never heard of it before. And until The Walking Dead, I never really knew who Jeffrey DeMond was. So anyway, I thought that was an interesting little connection there. We're going to move on from there. And they do mention Amityville, which I think, again, we've, we've talked about it before on the show. Definitely. I think that's all the little things I want to touch on for the folklore and mythology stuff. Like, I don't know. Typically, don't try to get too in-depth in this stuff. Just want to touch on it and make, me make a mention of it and then move on to something else. And we do have several pop culture things we're going to talk about here in a moment and there are a ton of these it seemed like this week so definitely once again just kind of touch on them don't want to get too wrapped up in super intense discussion of the medium or ghost whisper or something like that (laughs) all right well i'm going to hit the music we're going to jump into our next segment supernatural and pop culture one of the first things this episode that came up um, that I see as a reference, not necessarily, but again, there's lots of those kind of things. They go to a boiler room several times in this episode, and for me, when I think of a boiler room, I think of an, another spirit who's trapped on a street called Elm, and his name's Freddy Krueger, of course. And so, now we on Elm Street, definitely makes me think of boiler rooms and crazy Asylums and stuff, that uh, definitely plays into their mythology of that particular series. At least for back in the ones from the 80s and 90s. Um, so I thought I'd bring that up. One thing, too, as they go into the Asylum, uh, Dean brings up Haley Joel. Of course, referring to Haley Joel Osment from The Sixth Sense, the famous M. Night Shyamalan movie, where he saw dead people. And so, he brings up that. And in quick succession, he brings up a few other things. He brings up something to the effect of like who's the hotter psychic or something. Patricia Arquette, Jennifer Love Hewitt, or Sam Winchester. Something something like that. I don't have it all written out here in in front of me, but it was something kind of like that. So he's referring to the the show The Medium, and he's also referring to the show Ghost Whisperer. Ghost Whisperer was primarily on CBS. The Medium actually switched from NBC over to CBS. Um, Both of those dealt with ladies who had psychic abilities and could interact with the other realms, if you will. Uh, again, I, I could go into more details about those. I think if you watch Supernatural, you probably have heard of Medium and Ghost Whisperer. Another thing he or was the phrase, the freaks come out at night. And for me, that reminds me of uh, a song from the 80s from my childhood. It's something my older brother listened to. I think it was Houdini, who was one of those early R&B kind of hip-hop people before hip-hop was hip-hop maybe. So, maybe if you're my age or older or whatever, you may have heard that one. Maybe not if you're younger. Okay, so that's another one. There was a bunch of this episode by far. I mentioned Amityville in the folklore section. I know we talked about that before, and that would also be pop culture reference as well with the movies and such. He mentions Jack in The Shining actually twice. He actually literally mentions him when they talk about some spirit stuff. And then later on, we'll get to it in just a second here. I so guess I'll go ahead and mention it. He reads through that patient's journal, and he quotes the famous line from that movie, All work and no play. And in, in The Shining, they have, that's all that the, the character of Jack Nicholson was playing there. It's supposed to have been writing a novel, and I think all he's written is all work and no play that makes Jack a dull boy. Over and 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 over again. So, definitely some references there to The Shining. One other one here. uh, And this is more of a reference to two things, I guess, that I'm I'm aware of right off the top of my head. Dr. Feelgood, he talks about, which I know mostly, I guess, from the Motley Crue song. There's an album by that same name as well. But yeah, I've always heard, I, I guess, whatever, I'm not familiar with the culture necessarily, so I don't know for sure. But I have always heard that Dr. Feelgood was like a slang or a reference went out to heroin, which I wouldn't put that past, you know, rock and roll guys in the 80s for being involved in such things. I mean, that's kind of what rock and roll was known for back then, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. So anyway, uh, Dr. Feelgood, Motley Crue, song, heroin, some other stuff. I'm sure there's been references like that made in other places. And I guess that's going to wrap up our pop culture segment for this week. And we're going to jump into a very short little brief Driver Picks the Music segment. And we're going to hit our little segment song right now. Driver Picks the Music. All right, the only song that's featured this week... And I don't even, I didn't catch this in the episode, quite honestly. It was probably the one playing in the bar, I'm assuming. I honestly didn't, couldn't make it out, I guess, if that was the case. But in my handy dandy little official companion, they do say that Hey You by Bachman Turner Overdrive, better known as BTO, uh, was featured in this episode. And he, as usual, uh, that is from the 70s. It was on their album from 1975 called Four Wheel Drive, and it was the third track there. That was written by the Bachman part of the Bachman Turner Overture. And that was Randy Bachman. And Hey You was actually number one on the Canadian charts back in 1975 and number 21 on the U.S. charts. So again, BTO, probably most famously known for taking care of business. Um, But this is another one of their songs from back in the day that was featured in good old Supernatural. And so, all right, well, that is going to wrap up, like I said, a very brief little driver picks and music section. I think we've... I don't know. It's one of those things that's hard to tell, especially after all this time, if we've ever talked about BTO before. I think we have. I would have to assume we have. Maybe we haven't. I, I mean, I guess we can go back and touch on them very briefly that they were a Canadian rock band back in the 70s that had five top 40 albums, six top 40 singles, sold over 30 million albums worldwide. And for me, and for probably most of you, Taking Care of Business was one of those big hits. Anyway, I, I think we may have mentioned them before. I don't know that, so I figured I could. They do have an official website, com. So if you're interested to in find out more, you can go there. And we're going to get into a, just another little segment here of the show. And I have some feedback from over the the long break. And I think I'm going to hold off on some of that till next episode. I'm going to get into just a little bit of feedback from this episode that I posted some stuff um, last saturday sunday i guess on facebook and and twitter about the podcast returning and we're going to, have to get into that here um real quickly and then that's going to pretty much wrap us up for this episode supernatural cast feedback okay it's last sunday a couple days back now um i posted after a few months i finally watched an episode of supernatural this afternoon took notes to prepare for a new episode of the supernatural cast um and i had five of you out there lovely folks like that comment um had mary say a few things here saying glad to hear can't wait for a new episode it's been a while and uh, i've responded back said yes it's been too long she agreed dwayne said i hope it I hope it was a nice break. Looking forward to another episode. And Courtney says, yay. And so thanks for all of you for those comments. And then also, I guess on the 12th, I actually posted another thing and said, watch another episode today. Scarecoach took some notes to prepare for future podcast episode. Supernatural. And so Courtney says, you're, you're back. Cue the ACDC music. Can't wait to hear your reviews. And then Dwayne says, "Scarecrow was a fun episode. And so thank you guys for actually still being out there and for still being interested Um, In the show, and I I hope uh, we'll keep this up more regularly now. I really do hope so, because I I really enjoy this podcast. And and I've I've said that on the Falling Skies cast I've been doing this summer for that short season they have. I really enjoy this podcast, and I'm sad that I haven't had making more of a time to try to get it out there. And so hopefully we'll get this up regularly now. Okay, so that's going to wrap up this week's episode. I'm going to tell you how you can get in contact with us. And we're going to wrap up our show, which I really like to do with dean Quote of the week, and so again, you can contact us. You can visit our official podcast website over at SupernaturalCast.com. You can find us on Facebook. You can just search for us there for Supernatural Cast. Same thing with Google Plus or iTunes. And I always try to bring this up. We are on Twitter, and Twitter has those name limitations, um, so we are Supernatural Cast on Twitter. So Supernatural without the L. If you want to find us ever on Twitter. Uh, you can also give us a call. You can send us a text message to two zero three seven four super That's 203 You can also email us and you can send your message to mail at supernaturalcast.com. And I think that's pretty much most of the ways you can get in contact with us. I mentioned Facebook and Google Plus and stuff. So if we, we'd we love to hear from you. And like I said, I have a few more things for feedback from over the, the break or whatnot that we'll share in the next episode. And um, hopefully have that out here for you very soon. And so from the Supernatural cast, I am Jimmy in Georgia. Peace. It's time for the Dean Quote of the Week. I got a question for you. You've seen a lot of horror movies, yeah? I guess so. Do me a favor, next time you see one, pay attention. When someone says a place is haunted, don't go in. got to read.